Welcome to the I'm Not a Barista podcast. We're here to talk about all things coffee, from industry careers, brewing tips, community support, and more, with some really incredible people who love coffee as much as you do. We hope their stories inspire you, because humanity runs on coffee, and together we can empower all the people behind every cup. Good morning, Tigger. Welcome to I'm Not Bar First the podcast. Hi, Nikki. Yeah, thanks for having me. How you feel? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. So it's 10 a.m. there in Netherlands. Yeah. All right. So we know you from writing articles. We heard your names from Paris the magazine, and we also worked together um, with some projects before, including Boring Guide, and you been writing articles for us for a while as a volunteer. Um, so you are doing many, many things. But what do you do really? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so my background is in journalism and advertising. And I started out my career in the advertising industry in Hong Kong, actually. Um, but then later on, I found out I had a really big passion for coffee. And then I entered the coffee industry, I think around five or six or even yeah, five or six years ago um, as a marketing manager for an independent cafe. But we were also doing a lot of like operations based stuff, too. So, you know, being on the bar, but also managing you know, events, marketing, branding for a coffee shop. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed working in a service based industry, but also like the cafe vibe and everything. Um, but then after that, I figured out that, okay, maybe I'm not really that good at making coffee <laughs> or brewing coffee that much. Um, but I was a bit better at working on the business or the marketing side of things when it comes to a cafe identity. So I started my own studio and uh, doing a lot of creative work for uh, startups or independent businesses, small businesses with a more focus on coffee-based businesses. And so to get back to your question, um, what do I do exactly? It, uh, I guess creative work covers a lot of different things. And so it's difficult to put it into like a certain box. But uh, small businesses tend to have a lot of different creative needs. And what I like to do is help them figure out, okay, do you need... Um, Do you need a website? Do you need social media? Do you need writing? Do you need packaging design? Do you need a business card? Do you need, uh, a, like, I don't know, just different types of solutions? Um, and then going from there, having the flexibility to help them create all of those uh, solutions and assets that they need to uh, get their business up and going with a brand identity. So I do writing, design, uh, a mix of everything, I guess. Well, that's super interesting. You're doing a lot of things, writing, branding, marketing, design. What do you do best? Uh, <laughs> I am a writer. I am a writer. I okay. am trained as a writer and I love writing. It's, um, I guess, the easiest medium for me to express myself. But um, uh, yeah, so I guess the power of words can really transform the way a brand talks to their customer. So it's really important they have a good writer to help them get their message across. Brewing coffee definitely is not 
on your top list, right? No, I like to drink coffee and I like to go to cafes to、uh, get like real professionals to brew coffee because you know you want a professional doing it. Same with、um, like marketing work, you want a professional doing it instead of trying to handle it yourself and doing it kind of you know half well and not the best. It might be what you're looking for, but it won't be like professionally done. So you might as well get a professional to do it and respect their craft. Have you have you always been into writing since you're a kid? Yeah. When did you figure out this super talent? Um, I think it was like since maybe um first or second grade.、Uh, I grew up in the U.S.、Um, I'm from California, and、uh, in like the public school system, you have a lot of、uh, writing exercises or creative writing where you know, your teacher gets you to write a. Well, a short story from time to time, and、uh, I think we had a contest in. I think it was first, or second grade. I can't remember、uh, for a short story, and I won with my story about like witches and something magical like that. I can't really remember, but I was super proud of that.、Um, my parents were super proud of that, so they really encouraged me to. Uh, keep writing, and I found out. Okay, yeah, maybe this is something that I'm I'm good at, or I have a passion for storytelling. And then I、uh, went into journalism for college, and then kept going with the whole storytelling writing、uh, ability, I guess. Well, so everything start with that writing competition. Yeah.、So、what did you win? I don't know. I don't remember. I think it was just like the teacher put the the story on the on the wall or something. That was it. But it was it was cool. And your surname on top of the list. Yeah. Wow, what a start!、Uh, you mentioned that you grew up in California,、mm -hmm. the state, but you don't really have a strong Californian accent.、Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I was born and raised in Southern California, and I guess, like. I could talk a California accent, but it's Americans. Sorry to all my American like listeners, but <laughs> we do tend to be quite we're quite lazy with the way we pronounce things, right? So it's like things get like blurred and like we do a lot of like slang and stuff. But I've lived in Hong Kong or I've lived abroad for like the past ten years. So when you're talking, when all your friends are not native English speakers, you kind of have to retune your accent a bit to make it more clear. And understandable, and maybe slow things down so that they know what you're saying. So I've kind of lost that whole like lazy American vibe. <laughs> so far, I, I I know three locations. You mentioned three locations: California, where you grew up, and then you mentioned Hong Kong. So you lived there for how many years? Nine years. Nine years. That's after your graduation. Yeah, after I graduated、um, my bachelor's in California, I did my master's in Hong Kong. All right, and where are you now? I am actually based in the Netherlands now. So I moved to Rotterdam around、uh, four months ago in 2021、uh, summer, and now I'll be based in Europe for the foreseeable future. So you like writing?、Uh, you're interested in writing. You're probably also interested in moving around, right? Yeah, I think,、uh, especially as a creative, you have to keep pushing your boundaries, and you have to. Constantly get some inspiration from your daily life, or else you can't put anything new into your work. And I think traveling is just the easiest way to do that. So it's difficult now with the pandemic and everything, but、um, we 
I moved during the pandemic and I'm, I got here successfully. So it can be done. Just got to be careful and make sure you do things according to the regulations and all that. Everything so far so good in Netherlands? Yeah, I love it. I mean, we had a beautiful fall season with all the leaves and now it's slowly getting into winter. So it's like raining every day, all day, but uh, getting used to it. But yeah, it's fun. It's been really enjoyable so far. Could you tell us about your experience? What what would be the difference between these three places? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so I've lived in in four places in my life. Um, most of it in the U.S. and then a little bit. I spent three years in Thailand, in Bangkok for high school, and then uh, Hong Kong, and now the Netherlands. But it's hard to compare these places simply because the world has changed so much in the last. 30 years. Um, there's my age. You're, you're now telling our age, <laughs> Yeah, right? I know. Let's, let's edit that part <laughs> out. Oh, my God. Um, but it's just like the general state of the world has changed so much in my lifetime. And so even if I were to spend all of these years in one place, I think that place would have changed like drastically in these past few years. Um, so it's really hard to compare in that sense. But uh If you just compare kind of the regions like North America or Asia or Europe, um, like I love Asia. I think a lot of things are happening there and all of the progress and the uh, new stuff, it's all coming out of Asia. Everybody's eyes are kind of on Asia um, for these past few years. And so if as a young person, especially entering the professional world, you can learn so much by living and working in Asia which I think you can get a lot more experience than maybe in North America. For me, North America feels a lot more stable and comfortable. Uh, with a, <laughs> I don't know how far you want to get into politics, but um, uh, the whole like uh, quality of life in, in North America is like nice, but I feel like you can challenge yourself a lot more in Asia. Um, and then Europe, it's still very new for me, so I don't know how it's going to be, but uh, I'm very interested to learn about all of the different cultures in the, even just in the European Union alone, there are so many different countries that make up this, like, uh, that, this area. So you can learn so much just by hopping the border or jumping on a bus to the next place over. And so there's a lot to absorb here. So far, what is the number one thing you love the most in Netherlands? Ooh. Uh, okay, well, I mean, uh, the rain is like kind of eh, but I I do like the weather because there's just different seasons, like four different seasons. You have summer, spring, fall, and winter. Because I think in um, California or in Hong Kong, you didn't really get very distinct seasons. They were just kind of like hot and cool and that's it. Um, <laughs> but I do like how accessible travel is here, even, um, you know, just uh, without the pandemic, it's so easy to just travel around and go from place to place. Um, and there's just a lot of, there's a lot more nature where I am and, you know, cycling through all the really nice bike paths through like parks and trees and canals and stuff. It's just super nice. It's really beautiful. Okay. So um, you moved to a new country and you probably need some new friends there. How is that going so far? Oh, oh this is actually really interesting because um, 
So it's difficult to make friends, I think, as an adult out of school, anywhere you go. But I think I've been super lucky to be working kind of in the coffee industry, even though I'm not like on an operations based role. I'm still like very much in the coffee scene. And it's so much easier to make friends in a coffee setting because people here are just so much more open and welcome and friendly that even if you just like walk into a cafe somewhere, if you go enough times to become like a regular, you're already like by default friends with whoever's behind the bar or you'll get to know the regulars who come in there all the time. And then you get to know a lot of the people in the community as well around that cafe. So it's been a lot easier than I thought to make friends here um, just because uh, being part of the coffee industry is really like uh, welcoming in that sense. So it's really nice. Oh, it's, it's good. Um, it's easy to, to get to know your friends if you're in a coffee community, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're not in the coffee community, <laughs> what, what's going to be like? You go to a coffee shop, mm, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> you order a coffee, you get out. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think if you, if you like coffee, you don't have to work in coffee, but as long as you like coffee and um, you spend enough time in a cafe, no matter who you are, if you're an engineer or a consultant or whatever, and you just hang around in that coffee shop vibe, you'll make a friend or two. It's just if you if you don't like coffee scene, then you might need to uh, like join a sports club or something like that to make friends. And I have no idea how that would work out because I'm not like, I don't have any experience in that. But yeah, I think coffee is welcoming for people of all backgrounds. So that's a really great thing about it. That is so great. Uh, so far, what is a fairy coffee shop in rotterdam uh yeah uh oh gosh it has to be uh this place called evermore it's in rotterdam it's a little bit outside the city center um, but they are a family-based coffee shop so um the dad the mom the kids um they they work there and they help manage the business so it's very very personal it feels very intimate and then um, they're very much uh, like a big part of the Rotterdam community as well. So uh, as a newcomer to the city, I could just ask them for recommendations about, you know, where do I get a Christmas tree or where can I find some really good like local restaurants or whatever? And they just they know all of the places, all of the best things about the city. And um, it just feels like they are really uh, a great support. Uh, to the community as a whole and as a newcomer i feel very welcome by them and it's it's where i go every day for coffee so i'm always there i love hanging out there so this coffee shop is called evermore evermore yeah uh, oh, okay yeah evermore um how did you find this coffee at first place um i think when we just when we first got here we were looking at cafes and just to check them out like it's something that we always do whenever we travel so we like find all the cafes and to visit but then it's a funny story actually um we were we, we saw this place on google and we wanted to go but then we saw an update that they were on vacation for like the next month so they were closed for like a month um so we were like oh okay well, we'll it's go. not really happening often right yeah <laughs> that was a funny thing about like coming to the netherlands too like these businesses will just take off summer vacation for like a month which does not happen in asia like nobody People barely take a weekend, you know, but the, these places like the pizza place or 
like my lawyer will just like take a month off like bye <laughs> i'm gonna go now yeah. um which is great it's a great work-life balance thing um but yeah they were off uh for a while but then um i walked past it one day and the lights were on even though they said they were closed so we like took a look into the windows and uh, someone was there actually and then they were like oh yeah just come in even though they're not technically open um the the barista at the time Loic, uh he's actually i think um i think he's actually registered as the ceo of the company he's he's the son um he let us in and he made us a couple of cappuccinos um and we just started talking even though they weren't technically open and they weren't um, planning on having business that day but they um they welcomed us in and that was really nice of them and from that day, we just became friends, and then uh, we waited for them to actually open again, and then <laughs> we kept going back for more. And I think um, especially because cafes kind of have a similar vibe throughout the world, like a specialty cafe, um, no matter where you are in the world, has a similar environment. And so even when you're traveling a lot, and if especially for me, like if I ever feel a little bit disoriented going to a new city or a random place, I'll just go into a cafe and then I'll feel a lot more grounded and a lot more comfortable because it's something that's familiar, even though the setting might be completely different and this language they're speaking or whatever is totally foreign. But the, the mood of a cafe, no matter where you walk into the world, you can feel that same sense of comfort, which is really nice. So talking about different coffee wipes, and I remember you went to Milan a while ago, and tell us more about it. How was your experience? Yeah, Milan was fun. It was my first time in Italy, and we were there for the um, host Milano Expo, which was hosting the um, World Coffee Championships for 2021, which included the Barista Championships, the Cup Tasters, and Brewers Cup. Um and it was uh, 2021, all of the events were canceled in 2020. So this was the first time the coffee community got together again in such a long time. And everybody was really looking forward to the events of that expo because uh, there was just such a long gap between seeing each other and competing and having that whole um, momentum of coffee in a professional sense. And so um, I went in October and uh, I was actually part of the team for competing in the Brewers Cup that was representing Hong Kong. So um, a friend of ours was the Hong Kong representative um, in that competition this year and we were supporting him uh, with training and just kind of everything that goes on around getting ready for our competition and uh, we traveled with him there uh, to to actually you know go for the competition so that was a lot of fun it was um a little bit crazy competitions are always crazy preparing for competitions are super crazy even if you're not the actual competitor there's just so much going on um to get everything ready and getting the mindset ready to be on stage that it's it's like really overwhelming but uh yeah it was a lot of fun uh our friend Jasper, representing Hong Kong, did really well in Brewers Cup. He placed number 14 in the world, so we're super proud of him. 
Um, and we got to know so many different people from all over the world in the coffee industry at this event and met some old friends, some new friends. Um, and just it felt like the industry was kind of getting back up and back to life. So it was really, really fun. It must be. Well, the first big coffee event of the pandemic. Oh, pandemic is not over yet. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned V instead of I. So who are the other people in your team? <laughs> well, so for this team, um, so Jasper was the competitor. Uh, he was representing Hong Kong. And then my husband, Chris, was the one who was coaching him. And he was the previous champion in Hong Kong for 2019 or 18, I forgot. And then, um, so he was training Jasper and then I was helping them both with other like life support things. And then, uh, Jasper's boss, William joined us in Milan for, um, just support up to the days of the competition. So it was the four of us working on that. And then, uh, Jasper also had a lot of support in Hong Kong with, uh, some of his, uh, people around him that helped him train and get ready for the competition while he was in Hong Kong too. Okay, so your husband, Chris, is former Hong Kong champion. Yeah, he's a barista. He's a former Brewers Cup champion, so he's really good at uh, hand-drip coffee. Um, but also, he's been a barista for a very long time, so he's well deep inside the coffee industry. <laughs> Pandemic actually hits the coffee industry very hard, and especially um, people who work as a barista, you know, uh, barista need to work in a coffee shop. and you said it recently moved to Netherlands. And I guess as a marketing manager, you can adopt a new environment easily because you can just work anywhere you want to. How about Chris? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, he's um, <laughs> <laughs> at the time of this podcast, we're still sorting out a little bit of the visa stuff. So uh, once he gets that all finalized, he'll start looking for a job. But I think what's interesting now with um, the state of labor in the world is there is a big shortage in service because as the world is trying to open up again and getting back on track with businesses and offering more dine-in and just normal cafe operations, there's a big shortage in staff. So I think it won't be too hard to find a job now in this current situation. Um, but there is going to be a bit of a learning curve adapting to a new country and what they, their coffee style and the language and everything. So that's a big, that's going to be a hurdle, but uh, hopefully things are looking better for the coffee industry despite the pandemic. Well, the, the new COVID virus just arrived, right? <laughs> so I, I know it's so negative just to think about it. You know, that's the end of the year. We want something positive I know, right? so we can celebrate Christmas and New Year easily. Um, well, Moving to a new country and you, you moved to Netherlands, that's, I remember, uh, I, I live in Europe for more than 10 years and then Dutch is one of the language people say you don't understand Dutch except <laughs> Dutch themselves. So what do you think about Dutch language? Are you going to learn Dutch on the, yeah, what's your plan? Yeah, definitely. I want to learn. Um, I haven't enrolled in a formal course yet, but I will eventually. I've just been learning through some like, random apps and textbooks, but also um, my coffee friends have been really good at uh, helping me learn some new vocabulary and a lot more slang. Like I think the first thing I learned was how to order a coffee in a cafe, which is awesome and super useful and something that the app does not teach me. <laughs> so it's like, uh, finally, something I can use and something I do use every single day. So it's really nice. 
Is, is is there anything else happening um lately in your life are you working on some special project yeah um so uh when the pandemic first started i think a lot of brands put their marketing um budgets or their marketing plans on hold but ever since the vaccine started rolling out i've seen a really big increase in projects and jobs that have been coming my way so it's been a little bit crazy so far uh especially with the holidays i think Brands were really looking forward to celebrating the holidays this year with a lot of campaigns and activations and things like that. So I've had a lot of projects um, about the holidays and especially uh, Chinese New Year as well coming up in February. Um, but also, there's also been a big uh, increase in uh, startups and people starting their own businesses and um, brands as well. So I think... Um, People are, it's not, I don't think it's so much about being confident in improving situation of the world, but more of they've discovered a passion for themselves that they really want to explore further. And maybe the pandemic has helped, um, has helped them kind of have that chance to explore these opportunities. So they're starting their own brands and launching new products. Um, and I'm actually working on something with another barista, which uh, is really exciting. Uh, um, let's see, how do I introduce this? I think you should introduce this. Do you want to introduce this? Because <laughs> it is yeah, your your baby. Uh, no, no, I'm the host, so <laughs> it's better for our guests to talk about it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, fine. <laughs> so if you're fans of another barista. I think you'll know that um, they did, they launched this really cool brewing deck, and Mickey and the I'm Not a Barista team actually did a really successful Kickstarter campaign to launch this new idea. And <laughs> seriously, it's it was so amazing. And it's this um, the brewing deck is you know a series of um, coffee recipes sourced from different people around the world, whether they're professional baristas or home baristas or even like non baristas, um, just coming together and like helping everybody improve or change up their brewing game at home, which really united people when we were all separated due to social distancing to just try new things at home when it comes to brewing coffee. So that was really great. And so um, I think after that really successful launch, uh, I don't know, Mickey got this new idea in his head to launch something even more crazy um, and it was just, it ended up being a really good time to do it um, this year. So he approached me a few months ago with this super radical idea of designing and producing a hand grinder. And this was really surprising because um, it's a really big difference from the brewing deck. Uh, so it's going like straight into the 3D realm of product design to design something that actually works. So this is really um, like quite a challenge for us. But um, I think with Mickey's background and everything that he's uh, like his experiences and especially with project management, he set it up really well so that um, myself, which is helping with the copywriting and the marketing side of things, plus some other team members who are helping with the actual renderings and the design of the product, um, we got together virtually to bring this project to life. And uh, what's really, really cool about this hand grinder is like, it's not just going to be another 
hand grinder that uh, is a manual addition to your coffee gear. It's actually going to challenge what is currently on the market and add a whole new level of complexity to your home brewing or your cafe brewing. Or, and so how we're doing that is completely redesigning the look and the internal system of a hand grinder by not just featuring one burr set, but doubling that power and adding two burr sets to this hand grinder. Two burr sets. Yeah. We understand one grinder, one burr. Two burr set, um, please. <laughs> Tell us more about it. <laughs> yeah. So two burr sets, what does that mean? So if you're familiar with the theory of double grinding, uh, a lot of baristas, uh, some competitors on the world stage, they have used uh, multi-stage grinding to uh, get their coffee grinds to become a certain uh, composition. And how that works is you have one burr set, which pre-grinds the coffee and breaks it up into smaller pieces. But these pieces aren't exactly in a size that is meant to be able to brew yet. And then with the second burr set, those pieces drop in and then you grind it finer into your target um, grind size. And the advantages of that is, there's actually a really a lot of advantages. Um, the first one would be a speed because even though you're grinding the beans twice, it's much easier to grind a very coarse size at the top and then grinding those smaller particles into finer particles is really fast. So if you've ever struggled with hand grinding, especially like if you're if you have smaller hands or not as much like uh, know, muscle, <laughs> it's kind of really hard to like grip a hand grinder and then grind these beans, especially if they're of a high density and grinding them down to the target fine grind size for your pour can take forever. Like it is a workout in the morning if you're trying to do that. And so uh, with having double burrs, you make it easier to like do it step by step. And it's a lot easier on your shoulders and your arms to get it down to that size. And it's so much faster. And then the second really good benefit is that whenever you break a coffee bean, you get fine, which is those really tiny yes. particles. And so because we're breaking it twice, you get even more fines. And some people, maybe they're not, they have this preconception that fines equals uh, over extraction, or it's just uh, too easy to get bitterness when you have too many fines. But it's actually the fines that give you a wider um, flavor distribution when you brew the coffee. Because if your grinds are all of one size, your complexity can get very uh, one directional, but when you have a wide range of sizes, you can get you can end up actually brewing a lot more different flavors and aromas and profiles from that coffee. So with double grinding, you can get a wider distribution of grind sizes, which can be really beneficial to adding a whole layer of complexity to your final cup. But it just, it doesn't end there. Like this grinder is just so <laughs> complex. It's amazing because some people just don't, don't like fines. Some people don't really know, or yeah. it's, it's a little bit difficult to incorporate that into your brewing um, with all this increase in fines. So we actually have a solution for that. If you don't, if you're not comfortable with brewing with these fines, or you want to take your time to explore 
how these fines can actually impact your brewing, we've actually built in a coffee grind sifter into the catch cup of this hand grinder. It's like one motion from start to finish. You load your beans, you do the pre-grind in the first burr set, and then you do the actual grind in the second burr set, and it drops the ground coffee into the catch cup. And then from there, it's just seamless where you can actually sift your fines inside the catch cup with this interchangeable sifter that's located at the bottom of the grinder. And that's really cool because you don't have to keep so many gadgets in your kitchen. You don't have to keep moving your grinds from like box to box. And you can just directly sift the grinds in that cup. Uh, we have, we're going to have different um, micron sizes for the sifters as well. So you can get, you can really get so much control of the grind size that you're targeting for your brew. And that's going to be really exciting because um, I think a lot of people like the idea of sifting coffee, but it's just kind of really uh, a little bit inconvenient, especially if you're just doing it for a daily cup. So in order, to, so having that streamlined experience there inside the grinder, which has so many features, it's just going to be so much to play with in this one new tool for your coffee setup. There are a lot of uh, features. Um, when you talk about, I feel like. This is not our project. I I feel like it's uh, it's my first time to, <laughs> to Wait, hear someone talking what? about a new project. What? What? You made <laughs> this project? I'm not very Yeah, of course. I know. I know all those key features because that's all. Um, that's why we are developing this product to make something different, comparing with the grinders in the market. By the way, there is one more key feature I remember for um, about the movement. Of this grinder. Yeah, so this is a really, actually, really interesting feature. Wait, sideline. Do we want to talk about lefties because it's a stretch goal? <laughs> yeah, I think we can talk about okay. it. <laughs> okay. So some people will be super happy to hear about this good news. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's actually one more feature that um, is actually it's I really love it because it's it's a show of the consideration for baristas that. I'm not a barista has for its target audience, right? We're always thinking about, okay, how can we improve things for baristas? How can we make things more inclusive? How can we highlight their needs and find a solution to what, what they need? And so with this grinder, we're actually creating an option where currently all of the grinders on the market are geared towards right-handed users. And this is true for a lot of products in like any industry. It's mostly geared towards right-handed users. But um, I mean, there are left-handed people out there like, hello, we, somebody has to cater to them at one point. And so what we're really excited to do is actually have a system that is completely redesigned to be counterclockwise and therefore well adapted to left-handed users. And so we want to make them feel like, okay, yeah, this is also for you guys. And this is going to make a difference in the way you brew because something is finally being created and designed for your needs. But then at the same time, even if you are a right-handed user, the counterclockwise option is actually really helpful because if you're used to grinding in a certain way, especially if you're hand grinding like every single morning or like a few times a day, and you've ended up putting that tension in your shoulders in the same direction over and over and over again, there, it does add a lot of wear and tear to that that side of your body, especially if you're also pulling shots and tamping with your right arm and doing all those things, like your shoulder is going to get like fatigue so, so bad. 
But if you actually even just change it up and make it counterclockwise in this motion, you can actually activate a different set of motion in your shoulder, which is actually really good, much better for your ergonomic situation than if you were to constantly keep doing it the same way, like forever. Thank you so much. That's really like a, a showcase of your marketing talents here. <laughs> You're really explaining everything so well in, in, in order that's easy to understand and also sound very exciting. Um, thank you so much for introducing our project. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this is great. Um, thank you for that because I'm I'm usually better at writing about things than talking about things, so this is nice. Um, but I just I hope it shows how excited I am for this project because it's not just how many cool things we have with it, but it's just being involved with this design process with Nikki and with our three um, D designers and seeing how much consideration we've put into every detail and really trying to push the limits of every feature to make it more user-friendly for the barista is something that is a really good reflection of what I'm Not a Barista is trying to do for the industry as a whole. So it's something that I think will be a good a physical interpretation of what we're trying to achieve as a, an organization. Yes. Um, when the whole world seems not going so well, uh, at least for me, <laughs> this new Grinder project is something that I'm really looking for in 2022. Um, so we expect to launch in the very beginning of 2022. So all the listeners, if you're a super big coffee lover or professionals, make sure you check our website, Instagram, social media, and get more information about this. Okay. So uh, is there anything else you want to share with the audience today? Yeah, I think um, so. I've been working with Nikki. I think I think it's been about a year now, almost. It's like the first like a full year um, since we've year. been introduced. Um, I actually found out about I'm not a barista through Barista Magazine. So it's, um, I think it's been a really, we've done so much over this year. It's incredible. And with everything that's going on, um, I really respect all of the work that you've put into this channel and this community. And so uh, all of the coffee stories, which make up kind of the foundation of what I'm not a barista does, are really inspiring, really impactful. And I think it's really nice to see all of these stories from people who aren't usually celebrated in the coffee industry. There might be just some like a barista from a, a small country or someone who's not super high profile about uh, what they're doing, but they all have these really incredible stories behind them. And so I think if anybody listening is, if they have a story to share or even, um, just want to be a little bit more a little bit more vocal about what they're doing and what kind of experiences they've gone through you should definitely like just give us a shout and um, we can get your story up there because that's what we want to do we want to give you a platform for your voice to stand out in this coffee community so yeah this is a great place to do it and we really welcome any barista who wants to join us for this journey Thanks for tuning in to this I'm Not a Barista episode. Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at I Am Not a Barista for more empowering vibes and true coffee stories that connect you with coffee lovers around the world. You're a part of our global community where we celebrate baristas and their craft in everything that we do.